It's time for Money for Lunch, where we feed your brain and your business with supersized portions of business and financial news. Now your host, Bert Martinez. Welcome, welcome to Money for Lunch. Always good to have you here, my friends. We're going to jump right into it with the quote of the day from Og Mandino. Uh, Og Mandino is a best-selling author, kind of has a great story. If not, uh, uh, if you haven't done any, uh, if you're not familiar with the name Og Mandino, this guy was like uh, living on the streets. I believe he was an alcoholic and uh, started going to the libraries to get out of the cold, started reading books, and it changed his life. Quote from Og Mandino today is, I love the light, for it shows me the way. Yet, I will endure the darkness because it shows me the stars by Og Mandino. All right. I am thrilled to be joined today by Jeannie O'Malley. Jeannie O'Malley is an award-winning humanitarian and human rights advocate, driving social change for individuals and communities as she leads the conversation on the importance of mental health while providing a suite of emotional wellness programs called FEELS, spelled F-E-E-L-Z, FEELS. Jeannie has pioneered an invention known today as the living breath process. Jeannie O'Malley, welcome to Money for Lunch. Thank you so much, Bert, for having me on. Delighted to be here. Well, you know what? I I think that uh, this idea of uh, the living breath process process kind of intrigued us, and so we're excited to have you on the show. So why don't you tell us a little bit about uh, how you got from where you're, you know, from uh, where you were to where you're at now. Kind of give us a a, a Reader's Digest version of how you came up <laughs> to develop the, leap, the living breath process. Uh, it, it's a 22-year initiative um, that has spanned around 290,000 people that we've assisted to date. Um, And basically, it's an emotional wellness system that was developed through myself and the people that we have been helping for many years. Uh, It's a suite of audio digital programs and assisted learning techniques that help you redefine behaviors emotionally. Um, And I suppose like most people that are driven to help uh, and create change, I was driven myself through my own personal need for change and healing. Um, and so that's kind of what started the whole process. All right. Well, I love that. And what's uh, also interesting is you are a, uh, an award-winning author. You've authored like 44 books, uh, which is in itself a <laughs> tremendous, yeah. uh, we call it, uh, yeah. achievement, right? I mean, one thing is to write, the yeah. book, you know, to write your book. <laughs> Everybody has a book yeah. in them, but 44 is a lot. So congratulations oh, on that. Yeah, well, I've had no life. I say to people, I have written those books, but I started when I was 28, and I'm 49, and it's like I just, you know, got out of the room type of thing. And uh, and so those books are, are very, those books are about behavioral redevelopment, and so basically, they are books that open up discussions and uh, offer people ways to start a new dialogue around emotional transformation and just providing them new ways of connecting to um, emotional choices in just an array of their lives um, while they're using the program. And that's kind of how those books came about. Gotcha. Okay. So uh, walk me through it. What is the living breath process? 
The Living Breath Process is a set of 49 programs called The Fields, and they are done either during the day or in the evening when you're asleep. So if you're a person that's doing them during the day, you'll sit down and go through a digital program that will have you answer a question, sit down and do a conscious breath meditation for six minutes, and then have you kind of redirect your thought during the day uh, to new outcomes and new potential through the learning component. It takes about 10 minutes a day. It's a very fun process, and it is the process that kind of founded the whole concept of the field. And then you have the night lights, which is done by condition. So you're not choosing your program based on feelings, but you're choosing a program based on condition. So let's say insomnia, um, trauma, depression, anxiety, PTSD. And so what you do is when you hop into bed, you press play on your phone and you listen to an audio track while you're asleep that plays all of the word sequences that stimulate the feeling structure of the condition to raise up above a 51% capacity of feeling. So let's say I have PTSD. When the PTSD is at its strongest, then I'm having an inner dialogue that is contradicting my capacity to get out of the PTSD. If I raise my feeling structure above a 51% capacity to feel love, then that structure of the PTSD is not active. So when you wake up in the morning, if you don't engage in some traumatic experience like an argument or something that creates you trauma, then you'll continue to progress through the day with your capacity to hover above the PTS stronger than if you, say, weren't doing it. Gotcha. Yeah, I like that. Uh, but, if you, but the thing is, Bert, if you, in theory it's great, right? But if you right. decrease someone's PTSD even 1%, Right, you're talking a massive shift of paradigm because something like PTS builds internally within us as a, as, a, as a kind of a pressure. But if it starts going in the opposite direction, then you start feeling that you're able to not be in it. Then that sets up all this new behavior. And so yeah. in parent, you know, it, it sounds like in theory making these changes is one thing, but when you actually create them and they're sustained over long periods of time, then you start redefining behaviours and society and services and relationships and expectations and so forth. The, the, the thing that I like most about this is that it gives the individual additional choices on how they want to uh, handle their situation, uh, PTSD or whatever it might be, right? So, so as we know, there are a lot of alternatives out there. Uh, most doctors are going to prescribe something. But what I like about this process is that it really puts a lot of control into that individual, gives them some alternatives, because a lot of the stuff that we deal with is this internal conversation that we have. Yes, yes. And what I've discovered through my work and through the feel, the living breath process is that when, you're, you're, when your feeling structure is below a 49% capacity of feeling, you will have negative inner dialogue. 
if it's above a 51% capacity, you will have feeling. So we know that these conditions, when somebody is driven by negative inner dialogue, is being driven by a depleted feeling structure. So if we take that feeling structure and increase its capacity, then these conditions aren't so whole. So when you're dealing with PTSD, maybe you're dealing with a trauma or a specific event, but not an all-encompassing PTSD. And so this is how we can break down these conditions because at the end of the day, we're here to heal. Like it's our human right to be given alternatives to be able to heal. And it's our human right to have a capacity for love. We can't take that away from one another. And if we increase these capacities for love and self-love and self-appreciation, then we increase our capacity for one another. And that's how we'll end things like this epidemic, when we can increase our capacity to honour one another and take each other through the healing process. Yeah. Um, no, I think, I think, I think it's, it's such a powerful thing. And one of my... I guess <clears throat> one of the things uh, that I believe in most is how we feel is more important than what we know, right? And I always like to use the example of people who smoke. Uh, you know, people know that smoking is bad for them, but they choose to ignore what they know because the cigarettes help them achieve a certain feeling. And, they are willing to deal with the side effects or whatever. And, you know, you can apply that to anything. And so if you really want to, I think, take control of your thoughts, take control of your feelings, then it, it you know, it takes practice. It, it doesn't happen overnight. Um, so, so let me ask you this. Since you've been doing this for a while, give me some of the impact that, uh, that some of these individuals have had. Maybe tell us a success story or two. Um, well, you know, I think for me, the most shock, when you are in a situation like I'm in where you're watching something being birthed at this level, you look for these circles, right, where you yourself as an inventor reach a, a point of wholeness in the evolution of it. So in 2010, I was invited to go and help a group of people that were on methamphetamines and heroin and opiates. And we ended up, just through circumstances of the success rate of what had happened to the people in the program, that we got stuck there for 11 months in Santa Cruz helping this group of people. And what I, what the first observation that we witnessed was that in a workshop of over 80 people, 27 people came off of heroin with no physical withdrawal. Wow. So what that did was that proved my theory that if you move feeling, then you won't, you move suffering. So heroin addiction and opiate addiction is a sequence in the brain of feeling receptors, right? So there's 49 feeling receptors and heroin and opiate addiction is when 16 of them get into a chain of command, so an inner dialogue, and that's what's the addict. The other feeling receptors stop operating. So what the heroin detox does is it proves that we are theoretically moving people out of the perception of the struggle of the heroin into another feeling and being in that new feeling, they don't feel the detox. So when I witnessed this, I knew that it was like just such a huge moment in my career. I felt like it was why I kind of had developed it and kind of gone so long with it. My dad had died of a heroin overdose when I was seven. So I wow. felt like I had done this full circle, right? Like I could have theoretically helped him. 
So I so that was when we became passionate. You know, we are a mental health brand. We say mental health is a healthy thing to say. We say physical health. We say, you know, biologically healthy. Mental health is equally as fabulous. And we try to bring that awareness to people that it's kind of sexy to feel mentally well and to be facing what isn't feeling great and to really learn to honor and love yourself, whether that's an opiate addiction, a heroin addiction, a methamphetamine addiction, a Vicodin addiction, a breakdown, a divorce, a trauma, a loss of job, all of these things that we have to deal with on a daily basis, we have to turn these experiences around. So what that time period did was in witnessing these individuals, it gave us this sense of purpose in our core, which was that we were an emotional wellness brand, but we are driven to include people in the epidemic in our everyday lives and demonstrate to families and individuals that this is an everyday condition and an everyday experience that's affecting everyday people. And so now we're very focused on our outcomes of this program because all of these people that we helped, there were 40 in the incubator in 2010, 98% of them have not relapsed in uh, seven years. So when you witness this sense of hope come back over a group of people that were lost in a system, some 20-year needle users and completely taken away from their parents and their potential, now have careers, children, grandchildren, are experiencing life. It's a miracle. I, I have no words. I, it is tormented. Like, I can't even tell you what it does to you to watch people heal and to know that they're going to be okay. It's different to want to people to heal. But when you walk away from knowing that they're going to be okay and they're going to have their own experience and it's not dependent who's in the room, just as long as they have their cell phone and their capacity to sit there or to carry it with them and their lives will start changing, this is how we need to touch each other because everything is so lost and we've so lost our connection that we have to somehow bring it back together in a way that is us being by ourselves for this moment. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that, that is, to me, so fascinating. And let me ask you, have, have you gotten any resistance or pushback from, quote, the medical <laughs> establishment, you know, uh, I'm coming to live at your house, Bert. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, tiny yeah. more than I anticipated, yeah. let's say that. <laughs> yeah, it kind of got crazy there for a minute, but um, you know, kind of I I was I'm this kind of Capricorn person, you know, I'm kind of you know, it's all for me practical and it's got to be uh, all fitting together and when you demonstrate clearly within society that you're happy to take money from people and not actually get people well, I'm just absolutely shocked at the just outright thievery of kind of what's happening in insurance fraud and uh, just, you know, we talk about this prescription medication situation, it's not even a tenth of what's going on. You know, the insurance fraud is just out of control. So, sure. it, you know, you, a person like myself, the product's $50, you know, if someone does it, they're going to have this experience of not having their detox, so they're going to feel amazing whether they're dealing with a divorce or coming off of heroin, they're going to feel good. 
So when you minimise now this social debt, right? So let's say of these 39, pe 40 people in Santa Cruz that um, got out of the system, they are doing savings in society, justice department savings, healthcare savings, uh, parks and rec savings, because they are no longer a burden to these costs that society is having on a minute by minute uh, ratio. And so once you start breaking down the corporate greed of different industries that depend upon this epidemic going south, yeah, it gets pretty pretty crazy. <laughs> but you laugh. Yeah, you, know, but you just uh, and, laugh. And you just say, you're gonna, it's craziness. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, you know, I tell you what's so funny. When you look at the medical history, you know, at at one point in our in our medical history, uh, the and I can't remember the gentleman's name, the doctor who came out with this idea that that the reason people and, and this I believe happened during the Civil War here in the U.S. that the reason that some of these people were dying is because they had they were getting infected, their wounds were getting infected, and 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 and, and I can't and I can't remember the details. All I remember was that. There was a doctor who came up with the idea that washing your hands would reduce infections, uh, and they started doing it. And again, he was attacked by the medical establishment for something as simple as washing your hands. Uh, and, and again, if you look at our history, there's we see time and time and time again where people come up with new ideas, and they have to really go through this you know, this crucible, if you will, and, and then, you know, first they're, they're ignored, then they're really ridiculed, uh, you know, in, in some cases, uh, they're attacked, and then oh, yeah. eventually they're accepted, and, and you know, and, and, and it's just crazy, but it just seems like that's kind of like the arc, right? You have to go through all this, all it this uh, blood and, and, and you sweat do go and tears spiritually. and... Yeah. And you spiritually process, like you're asking yourself all the way along, am I willing to go to this next level? And the thing with me is that, you know, I'm a mother of three children and uh, alone with them, and we have a full security team that lives with us all the time. Um, and is it because things are so crazy? No, but greed's kind of a crazy energy. You know, you start taking money out of people's bottom line. And I'm planning on getting millions and millions of people affected by the epidemic and the mental health crisis on this program. And so we are a definite challenge to them, and we will reduce industry debt. We will absolutely carve a hole in it. And so they should have every, every concern that this is going to affect the bottom line because we have, re we have a long-term success rate. When you have a long-term success rate, now you're talking about dismantling debt in society, and that's what we measure. So the next phase for us now with our program, because it is digital, is that we will create a digital imprint from our clients that will demonstrate how, when, why, and what is holding on to them within their mental health experience, and we will be able to measure the debt calculator of social decay upon societies from this crisis. And that's what we plan on giving back to the medical community, to different DAs, to the law enforcement justice department that are fighting this fight. Like we are sincerely at this time in society, the justice department is fighting for our well-being. I mean, have you ever, did you ever anticipate that we would get to this point? 
so for me, yes, six years ago, seven years ago, we we did feel kind of pushed and prodded and, you know, you know, there was an air of what if around us with our competitors or not competitors, but the people that seek for companies like ours not to exist. But their their life's over, like they're in big trouble now. So it gives companies like myself the opportunity to break out. Anybody who's like me in this industry right now is increasing their sales force, not decreasing it. And that's where this is starting to turn around. And that's what I say to people. The tragedy is the families that lost people in this. This is a tragedy. But we've got to keep going and we have to decrease what is happening on a minute-by-minute scale. And that's why I'm glad we're digital because we really get to aggressively. We can download, a person can access our program as fast as they can heat up a teaspoon of heroin. And that's how you've got to compete. How else are you going to compete? Right, right. Uh, okay, so for those who want to find out more about your program, they can go to get your feels f e e l z on dot com correct yep yep get, get your, your feels, feels on dot com. com you know what and here's the thing about here's the thing about uh this entire process is that uh, unlike medication and again uh, uh, you know th- there are times when medication is necessary i necessary. like you know, I, yeah, I like I having alternatives. I like not having to have only one thing. But if you watch these commercials, you will see that in some cases, one medicine isn't enough. I mean, you, you hear these commercials that, hey, if you're taking a, an antidepressant and you're still having depression, uh, then here's another drug to take with your depression medicine. And, of course, they, they, they quickly go over the massive amount of side effects. And when, again, and, and I'm not trying to make uh, light of anybody who's dealing with depression, but bottom line is depression is based on this chronic way of how we think and how we feel about things and associations that we have to events and stuff like that. And, and, if, and if somebody can go to getyourfeelson.com and try this process, they're risking very little. I mean, worst case scenario. Oh, for sure. Like, yeah, and listen, at the end of the day, too, we have to understand, right, when we used to go on depression medicine, like at my, when I was 20, it took six weeks to get on that medication. There were blood tests, tests, like we would test it to see if that it was even appropriate. Today, when people are being medicated, it's not even, that people don't even know why they're medicated most of the time. And I believe medication is imperative. I liken Western Eastern philosophy medicine this way. The Western medicine is like the ER room. It cuts the bleed. You go in there, you figure it out, you get your stuff in order, you figure out what's going on, and then you go out into Eastern medicine and you combine a solution. But it's both that give us the answer, not one way or the other way. But it is devastating for people because they are being given medication that gives them the condition. So someone may have some depression, but by the time they've taken a week of antidepressants, they're fully depressed. And yeah. like it's, it's locked in now. And these are the decisions that people have to be making. When people are going and getting prescriptions, depression's terrifying because it takes away your ability to function. But there are many ways to get through it in a day. What's more terrifying is to have it forever because something solidified it in your brain. And these are the things we need to be careful of. And this is what I always say to people too. Increase your capacity for self-love and you will only drink the nectar of life. 
and we all have brokenness and we've all been broken but there is an absolute way to increase our capacity to feel love every day and you won't do anything to harm yourself and if you have to take antidepressants for six weeks you will but you'll come off them because you love yourself more and this is how we have to start healing ourselves our capacity for self-love that's what has to heal I love that, our capacity for self-love. And that is so true because, look, if you really feel good about yourself, uh, if you really love yourself, you're not going to do things to hurt yourself. You're not going to overeat. You're not going to over-medicate. You're not going to over-drink. You're not going to do a lot of stuff because you truly care about yourself and you love yourself. And, and um, you'll do crazy things like get plenty of sleep and, and uh, you know, and stuff like that. <laughs> Uh, and self-love's a feeling. It's not a thought. You know, it's a feeling. It's a. It's when the choice comes, the predominant feeling is to honor yourself and preserve yourself. Not yeah, a thought. Yeah, I like oh, that. I can't do that because that's bad because we don't know what's good or bad. It's a feeling of this is where I want to be. And that's I love where it. People, that's why people don't relapse off any condition because that condition was only there to teach them to love themselves. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I love that. Jeannie O'Malley, we're out of time. It's been a pleasure having you on the show. Uh, again, you, for those who want to go and, uh, uh, and, and check out um, Jeannie and her team, they can go to getyourfeelsfeelzon.com. Jeannie O'Malley, thank you so much for stopping by. Thanks, Ben. Have a great day. All righty. Good stuff there. And again, our thoughts are so important, right? How we feel is more important than what we know. And this is no different. Uh, it, it's something that, again, if you're in a situation, it may be worth it may be worth trying out. Is all I'm saying. Um, if it doesn't work for you, what have you lost? Nothing. If it works for you, you've gained a lot. And I think that is worth. Uh, the experiment, if you will. As always, my friends, let's share this episode with everyone we know. Let's help as many people as we can to maybe get off medications, uh, to start looking at themselves in a different light, to, to maybe increase their self-love. And as always, my friends, remember, you were created to succeed. Tune in Monday through Friday here on Money for Lunch. And check out our website at moneyforlunch.com.